0: Let's pray, God, you are who we worship on this day. We come before you because you are the great, I am the only, the holy one. So if we have stood before you in worship, God, we realize how much we are nothing compared to you. And yet you've exalted us through your son, Jesus, to be able to be called your friend. God, that is an incredible thought. We praise you, we worship you. Thank you for what you've done, allowing us to be in relationship with you. Continue to help us as we build that relationship with you and with others through your teaching of the Word now. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. All right. Well, welcome. Welcome to First Baptist Church. My name is Pastor Brad Stahl, one of the pastors here at First Baptist. And uh, if you have your bulletin, Why don't you uh, take that out? You'll see that it says on it, uh, Breakthrough, the Stone of Unforgiveness. We are starting a brand new series today. Um, what uh, I'm hoping takes place over the course of this series, that we all experience some sort of spiritual breakthrough in our lives. Uh, Today's title, The Stone of Unforgiveness, really builds off of the resurrection story that we talked about last week. And if you were not here, we discussed how the women went to the tomb in Mark chapter 16, thinking that the stone was between them and Jesus finding how are we going to get into to see Jesus. Uh, but they looked up and they saw that the stone had been removed. And so I asked the question last week, what stone has been keeping you from fully following Jesus in your life? What has maybe gotten in the way? Where do you feel like you cannot go much farther or maybe even develop a relationship at all with God through His Son, Jesus? What is keeping you from fully following Jesus for those of us who have given our lives to Christ at some point in some time? And and today's topic really is all-inclusive because um, as I see it, there are two types of people who are here today. Those of you here who need to forgive people now, in the present, and those of you who will need to forgive people soon. Only two types of us. We're needing to deal with this now, or we will someday soon. And if you're not having to deal with this now, praise God. You're in a great place. That is good to know. That is good to hear. But someday, something will happen to you, and you have a choice. You have a decision to make at that point. Do you forgive and let the hurt, the anger go? Or do you hold on and do you build up kind of that hurt and resentment and in turn hurt your relationship with that person and hurt yourself? Jesus has some very interesting things to say about this. In fact, it's one of his parables that he taught because it was so important. And he taught it to his disciples when there was a question that was brought up. And so if you have your Bibles, open them up to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 18. <clears throat> and here's the story. Matthew 18, starting in verse 21. It says, Peter came up and said to him, that is to Jesus, Lord, uh, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven, or as some of your versions may read 77 times. And we'll talk a little bit more about why there's a difference in some of those numbers. It says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king. And here's the story. So Jesus gives him the principle, and then he tells him the story. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold, and his wife and children and all that he had, and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. And when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants "...who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, "'Pay what you owe.' So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, "'Have patience with me, and I will pay you.' He refused, and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw that or what had taken place, they were greatly distressed." And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should, you, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. And then I think Jesus looked up from his story looked right into the eyes of the people and said, so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your, from your what? From your heart. That's a zinger. There, verse 35, that, that, that's going for the jugular right there when Jesus kind of gets into that because really what he's saying here And and you'll find this all over Scripture. Forgiveness is never presented as an emotion or a feeling. Understand that. Forgiveness is never presented as an emotion or a feeling. It's always a decision. It's a decision that we have to choose to make. And if you wait for your feelings, they're not always going to be there. But it's a decision that God asks us to make. And 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 sometimes we don't realize how it needs to be even a daily decision that we've made. For some of the wrongs that you have gone through and that people have done to you, it's not just a forgive and forget, forgive and forget, forgive and forget. And and many times it's not even just a one-time forgiveness, but it's a daily decision that you are making. I mean, because we all have these, um, shall we just call them irregular people in our lives? Is, Is that a nice enough way of saying it? right? Uh, Heavenly sandpaper, right? They're kind of rubbing up against you to kind of, you know, rub off your coarseness, or or blessed porcupines, right? They, they, They stick and they prick, you know, they kind of prick us. Anybody know, anybody that I'm talking about there, okay? Is anybody sitting by that person right now? Do not answer that. Don't answer that. You don't have to answer that. Peter, Peter must have had one of those. Peter had one of those in his life because he asked in verse 21, He says it like this. He says, "Uh, Jesus, um, how often will my brother sin against me? Now, we know the answer to that question. Often, right? That's going to happen. But that's not where he stopped. He said, how often will he sin against me? And I have to forgive him. Now, this may have been a literal family member because Andrew was a brother of Peter's. We, we know that. And it, it could have been even his literal brother that he's having difficulty with. Do you know that 90% of all resentment occurs in a family? Think about that. In your family, that's where um, uh, most psychologists will say 90% of the issues in your life will come from or the resentment that you have. That, that's where many times it starts right there in the family. And Peter obviously experienced some of this with someone, may not have been his, his biological family, but someone who was close to him. And so he asked it, And he says, uh, how many times? And what's interesting about this is that I think Peter thought that he was being pretty big hearted when he said seven. Right? Because legally, you had to do it three times. Well, there's a whole bunch of rules and rituals and Old Testament things and, uh, you know, Roman law and all that kind of stuff. Three times was what everybody kind of knew it was. That's how often you're supposed to forgive someone. And so Peter says, "Uh, Jesus, and, you know, all the disciples are maybe kind of gathered around, and Peter kind of steps out there as he often does, and he says, Jesus, uh, how many times do I have to forgive? Oh, let me think, let me think. Seven. Seven. How how about seven? He doubles it and then for good measure throws one more on there. Seven? Is that good enough, Jesus? And Jesus looks back and says, oh, Peter. Look what he says. Verse, verse, Verse 21. I do not say to you seven times but 70 times 7. Now, that's what my ESV version says, and I think I have an earlier ESV version. How many of you have an ESV version where it says 77 times? Okay, so, so even the ESV has has done both. They have a footnote down there. It's 70 times 7, you know, 490 times, or it's 7 times 7, whatever it may be. In other words, Jesus is putting it all on there, and he's saying, you know what? There's really no limit to the time that you, times that you need to forgive your brothers or your sisters. In fact, Jesus is really pointing out that if you are keeping score, it's not really forgiveness. Uh-oh, Mabel, he is stepping on our toes. Yep, I am. It's not really for- if you even have to ask how many times do I have to do it? It's not the spirit in that you are even forgiving someone. It's not forgiveness. I have a, a, a reading here that someone wrote to me a, a, a while back of their experience with forgiveness and in and, and dealing with it. And, and you can tell this person has really had to deal with it in their own lives. He entitled it uh, Mental Bank Accounts. And I thought it was a great imagery for this concept. And let me just read some of what he wrote. He said, it's bound to happen. People are just that way. In the process of life, I get hurt somehow. I feel someone has wronged me. I I, I become angry. How dare you do this to me, I think. I deserve better than this. They now owe me something to right this wrong that has occurred to me. My sense of justice demands it. The wrong must be righted, I think. And so now I have a choice. I can either forgive the debt they owe me or I can become an accountant, opening a memory bank account In their name, I make the initial deposit in that account corresponding to what I think they owe me. this account helps me keep track of the wrongs done to me. I cannot just let these things go. Debts must be paid. And if I am a good accountant, I may have many such accounts. Some for the same person and some for others I feel have wronged me over the years. I may even write them down so I don't forget them. Every time I mentally revisit that wrong, I make a deposit into that account. How could they have done that to me? The total keeps climbing. And every time I see this person, it reminds me of what they owe me, and I add to the balance just as if it were an automatic deposit of interest paid just for keeping the account open. Over time, little by little, the account grows and grows grows. Years later, when I finally decide to deal with that person and demand payment of the debt they owe me, I find that there's a million-dollar balance for the original $100 deposit I put in. So true, isn't it? I think that's a little bit of what Jesus is is talking about here. And he's saying, and if you're keeping score, if you're trying to figure out when you can have to stop forgiving them, then it's not really forgiveness at all. Kind of reminds me of the two little brothers who are, you know, finishing supper and they're playing after bedtime. And somehow one of the brothers does something to the other brother. And they get so upset at each other. And there's tears and there's bitterness. And there's hitting and fist blowing and all that kind of, I think Mom separates them and is talking to one and is talking to the other. And, 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 and so gets them kind of settled down. And one of them goes to bed and she comes into the room. The other one and says, now, you know you, you know, you have to forgive your brother before you go to bed. You don't want the sun going down on your anger. You have to forgive them. Little boy, he's about five years old, says, well, okay, I'll, I'll forgive him tonight. But if I don't die before I wake out, he'd better look out in the morning. <laughs> We've been there, haven't we? Well, I'll forgive him now, but if he does this, or if I'll forgive him now, but if he doesn't this, or it, it, we, we put conditions on it, don't we? In other words, we let the other person kind of have control over us. We've all been there at some point in some time. And so there's the question that comes up. And Jesus says, ah, I think you got this wrong, Peter, here. In fact, he goes on and says in verse 23, and let me just reiterate parts of the story, and we'll take our principles straight from God's word in the story. It says, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, the master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and payment be made. And if you look at this, theologians would say that the amount that was told here could be anywhere from like... 13 million, all, all the way up to, I mean, I mean like $10 billion that was owed. We, we, we don't know the exact amount that this was, but this was a great, this was a major, major debt that needed to be made up. And bankruptcy wasn't, you know, easy to be done. It wasn't like you can just file chapter 11 or chapter 13 or, or whatever it is. It was pay or sell the wife and kids and the husband then goes to prison. So he realizes, I, I got to beg. I got to beg for some mercy here. And so, verse 26 says So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. Which, in reality, he was not going to be able to do. I mean, if he paid $1,000 a day for 30 years, he wasn't going to be able to make up that debt. Which is why he needed mercy. He needed a supernatural forgiveness. He needed mercy into the situation. And as we look at the story now, as we get into the points here, I want to bring up three points that I think are so key for us to know in 2016. So if you have your outline, I wrote them down there. You can follow along. It says, I need to forgive. And the first point there is because God has forgiven me. Point number one could be the last point. It could be all that we have to deal with because it is so major. God has forgiven me. Again, verse 27. Out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Listen, listen to me, First Baptist. In the venue, here in the sanctuary, wherever you may be hearing this on the internet sometime this week, as a Christian, We are not expected to treat others as we have been treated by others. We're expected to treat others as God has treated us. Let me say that again. We're not expected to treat others as we've been treated by others. We're expected to treat others as God has treated us. Now, I know that is way easier said than done, but that's the principle that we need to operate by. As God has chosen to forgive us, we need to do the same. Because God has said, let's start over. With his son Jesus, whom he gave to us on the cross, offering forgiveness for our sins, he's saying, we can do this. That is an incredible gift that sometimes we take for granted. You know, uh, we heard testimony there from the Breakfast Club about the food that we have, the blessings that God gives to us in this country. If you wake up in the morning, you have food. Yes, we take it for granted. I know I take that for granted. We also take that spiritual forgiveness very much for granted every day. And so we need to get back to that and say, God, you have done a miracle in my life through what Jesus means to me just by accepting that. And God expects us to do to others what he has done for us. I mean, can you imagine the feeling that it would have been in here? Some of you have some some credit card debt, don't you? Some of you have some major school loans. Bankruptcy maybe even uh, from years past. Maybe, you know, going through 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12, bankruptcy and all that. Could you imagine the bank or your credit card company or your school just writing you a letter and saying it's been canceled? it's been forgiven, you're okay, you're good, you you don't owe us anything anymore. I mean, would you not have a sense of relief, a sense of joy, a sense of freedom, a sense of gratitude, and wouldn't you think, wouldn't you think you'd be gracious to others in that moment? Wouldn't you think that would make you say, wow, I've just been released from $73,000 of, you know, credit card or school debt or whatever it is. Maybe I would go out and be nice to someone for that. Look what happens, though. Verse 28. But when the same servant who was just forgiven this incredible debt went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a 100 denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. Pay it up, pay it up. You know, you, know what, you know how much 100 denarii was? It's like $17. Some of you drop that at Starbucks in the morning every day. I mean, you go to McDonald's and get three cancer burgers uh, for that kind of a cost, right? I mean, it was nothing. Nothing. And he's been forgiven this huge amount of money, and now $17, he can't forgive someone else. Why? What, what's Jesus saying here? What's the, what's the part of the story here? What's Jesus getting at? Here's why He couldn't do it because he was still trying to repay the debt, he didn't feel forgiven himself. And so he goes out, and and, and he tries to get more money, either because he was greedy, or he thought that he still had to pay the debt, but he did not understand grace. And so he goes out, and he grabs the man, he begins to demand of him, he begins to choke the man, which legally he was okay to do. By Roman law, you could do that to someone who owed you money. And so, hey. This is just what I do. I'm going to take this into my own hands because he didn't feel grace. Sad thing is, many Christians don't understand grace either. You're trying to follow and keep rules, to try to obtain God's approval, will always get us to a place of keeping score of being an accountant, of having that memory bank. okay, I've done this, and so this, and I've done this, I've done this, but wait, this didn't happen. Why didn't this take place? God, you've wronged me for this. This didn't take place. Why not? We're keeping track. We don't understand God's grace. We don't understand how God works. This man didn't believe that he was forgiven, and when we don't understand forgiveness, then we have a hard time forgiving other people, don't we? This is what we need a breakthrough, folks. And I pray that it's not my words that are speaking to you. I pray that the Holy Spirit's the one that's speaking to you now. But please hear this. Whenever you find someone who is harsh, who is judgmental, who is unbending, who's demanding, who's unforgiving of others, who's critical, who's negative, who's ungracious when they find people in sin and really just wants to bring the hammer down, they are probably. A person who's carrying unresolved guilt in their lives. When we are hard on people, you have to wonder if we understand what God's grace has done for us. When we put other people down and we're unforgiving of others, we're probably carrying unresolved guilt in our lives. When we feel unforgiven, then we become unforgiving. The ungraced person becomes the ungracious person even in parenting. Yeah, I mean, look at the way maybe we've parented or are currently parenting our children. Parents who are demanding or rigid or overbearing on their kids, maybe dealing with their own perfectionism or re- revealing their own guilt as a parent. You know what Ephesians 4.32 says about this? Look at it up the screen. It says, in fact, would you read this with me? Read it. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted. hearted forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave. Oh, man, that that last line is a mouthful, isn't it? As God in Christ has forgiven you, has forgiven us. There's an interesting story in 1946. Seslof Gavskowski was part of a German gang, in the country of Germany. And one day in the 1940s... um, Their gang went on to a family farm in the German countryside and in cold blood gunned down ten members of the same family, killing nine of them. The only one who survived was the patriarch of the family, what was the father figure, a man by the name of William Hamelman, who survived four bullets to his body and went on to live a healthy, normal life. Well, the shooter was, was captured, put in prison for decades, and when it came time for him to be released in the 1970s, uh, the German government refused to release him because the laws said that he could only be released from a prison cell of crime like that if he had a sponsor who was willing to hold him accountable. And everyone remembered what he had done 30 years prior to that, and no one would step up and, and say that they would sponsor the guy, and so he couldn't get out of prison, until William Hamelman, the gentleman who was shot four times, his nine family members killed, who he has not lived with for the last 30 years, mind you, steps up, and he writes a note to the court. He says, I want to take him into my own recognizance. And so the court released the man to him. And what he wrote in the note was stunning. It matches his verse. He says, just as Christ died for my sins and forgave me, should I not then forgive this man? I mean, that's amazing to think about that. And yet we live in a day and an age when some of those things are going on, when we hear about terrorism, when we hear about ISIS some of the things that they do overseas, and we'll be hearing more about it in our country as well. And we think about, wow, mm, I'm going to hold on to that, what they've done to me and what they've done to my security or what they've done to my family, and you know, those are some big things. What about the little things we experience every day that we choose to either keep, put in a bank account? we choose to say, God, this is not my feeling, this is not what I want to do, but it's my decision that I give today to you. I forgive them. I forgive them. I forgive them. It brings up the second point that's on the outline, and that's this. We need to learn to forgive because resentment would just make you plain miserable. Understand that. Resentment Will make us miserable when we allow it to fester in our lives. In fact, it will torture you. Look at verse 33 and 34. It says, And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debts. Now, in anger, if we want to kind of draw the parallels of the story here, this would be comparable to God at the end of time when His wrath pours out upon the earth. Um, But the Master says, if you're going to be unforgiving, then I'll be unforgiving. In fact, the word jailer in the Greek actually means tormentor or uh, tortures or a torture chamber. Literally, hell on earth. Is what they're going to experience. That's what an unforgiving spirit does. See, forgiveness is actually more for you than it is for the other person. Please hear me on that. Forgiveness is more for you than it is for the other person. How many times have we been tossing and turning in bed at night? Tossing and turning, tossing and turning. And the other person, they are just sound asleep. They are in la-la land. They are doing fine. It's kind of like you taking poison and hoping they're going to get poisoned by it. Is there any logic in that? I no. Mean, I mean, resentment and bitterness, that's what it does to us. And when we don't forgive, we... Lock ourselves in a jail of torment and hurt. God doesn't have to do that to us. We do it well enough to ourselves. And we rehearse that hurt over and over. It gets bigger and bigger. It continues to hurt long after the fact. And so let me just ask what maybe bitter thing are you holding on to today? What have you walked in here with, maybe not even thinking that it was going that way, and now realizing, Holy Spirit, you're just opening me up a little bit, you're, you're wanting me to take a breakthrough. All right, I didn't realize I had this stone lodged here. I didn't have this. Or I can see it getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. What is enslaving you today? It's what we need a breakthrough from. Because there are millions of people who are imprisoned by their guilt. They're enslaved today by their anger and their anxiety. They are tormented by their resentment. And so if you want a breakthrough, let me give you a key to one of the breakthroughs here. The forgiveness of Christ is the key to unlocking the jail that you put yourself in. To to the cave, to the grave that the stone has now been rolled over. That's the key. The forgiveness that Christ has given to us. Learn to ask for forgiveness. Learn to offer forgiveness. Learn to ask for it. Learn to offer it. You know, doctors will say that um, they could clear out 90% of people in hospitals. Understand this. If they could just teach people how to deal with their guilt and their resentment. Dealing with their anger. What what do those two words mean? Guilt. That's something that perhaps you have done to others. Resentment is what others have done to you. What am I guilty over or feeling some sort of guilt over? What am I holding on and being resentful for that someone has done to me? And we lock ourselves up instead of... Stepping out when we've refused to forgive. Let me give you the last point on the outline. It's this. We also need to learn to forgive because all need forgiveness in the future. I'm going to need forgiveness at some point and in sometime in my life. In fact, would you read this verse with me? This is 1835. It's up on the screen. Let's read the same version. Read it with me. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you If you do not forgive your brother from your heart. That's the zinger, isn't it? In fact, if someone says to you, I can never forgive that person, you know what the Bible's response is? Then I hope you never sin again. good luck on that one, right? I mean, that's really what, what it's saying there. If you can live the rest of your life in perfection, then you don't need to forgive anybody else. But we don't. We know that one day we're going to need more of it. Because forgiveness, understand this, forgiveness is a two-way street. When Jesus teaches us uh, the Lord's Prayer, remember remember the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6 where it says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our what? Our debtors. Okay, there's a two-way street there. What it's saying here is, God, forgive me as much as I forgive the people around me. Let me say that again. God, you forgive me as much as I forgive the people around me. The Bible teaches that we can only receive what we offer to others. And so let me give you another key, a little breakthrough as well. If you are merciful, you will have mercy shown to you. If you're merciful, you'll have mercy that's shown to you needs to be incorporated into just our lifestyle. We accept God's forgiveness, and we offer God's forgiveness to others. We accept his forgiveness for us. We offer that to others. We enjoy it, and we employ it. We enjoy it, and we employ it. Folks, I know this is not easy. I I know it is harder said than done. I I know that. And believe me, I am not in any way, shape, or form saying that you need to get walked on. That, That is not what this is implying here. But it is not in captivating yourself. It is not putting yourself in a prison of an unforgiving spirit when somebody wrongs you and you know they're going to do it again, and you know they're going to do it again, and you know they're going to do it again. Maybe you need a little separation from them if that's the case. But don't put yourself into a prison. may say, you know, we can't keep doing that forever. Someone, Someone needs to pay. And you know what? You're right. Someone does need to pay. And that's where God stepped into the story and said, my son will pay for these sins. That's the someone who has paid. Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In Jesus Christ our Lord. We need to accept that the wages of sin is death. Jesus went to the cross for us. We don't have to go around nailing ourselves to the cross. Jesus did that in your place. He was hung up for your hangups. That's the good news. That's the good news. You don't need to crucify him a second time. He went there once. You don't need to be the one to be the determiner. It's done, it's finished, it's through. You can have now a clear conscience and live with that. God has forgiven us and He expects us to do the same for others. And and forgiveness, understand, it only happens when the person who's been wronged makes a conscious decision to say, I will not hold this against the other person. Talk it out, sure, talk it out. But if you can't reach agreement, you're not saying, okay, I'm going to hold on to this. You're saying... I'm going to release it. I'm not going to retaliate. I'm not going to get even. See, that's what the king does in this story, and that's what the king of kings does in our story as well, doesn't he? And so let me um, just kind of end by offering you a few tests. Um, Let me ask the question first, and then I'll share with you the test. First question is this. Do you need anybody to forgive? Do you, do you have some? For most of you, when I started talking about this subject, there was a face that popped up in front of you. It could have been someone you've been dealing with for a lifetime. It could have been someone you've been dealing with over the last month. But somebody popped up, didn't they? And if it didn't, praise God, that you're, you're doing okay right now. You're not having to deal with a lot, and God has spared you from that. But, but a face will someday in some time. And to get out what that is and who you might need to forgive, let me offer you a couple tests. First of all, the blame tests. Are you blaming anybody for your unhappiness? Are you unhappy and you blame, well, it's because they did this to me. Maybe you're not forgiving that person. That'll turn you into a bitter person. That's what the second test I have, the, the bitterness test. The bitterness test is, am I keeping score? Am I keeping score over something that someone has done for me? It could be our parents, and your parents may have even passed away decades ago, but we're still keeping that. Maybe it's a brother or sister, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's an ex-spouse, maybe it's a boss, whoever it may be, we need to step up today. Today, the breakthrough is to forgive, the breakthrough is to let go, the breakthrough is to quit holding the grudge, is quit being that unpleasable person, because we're going to pass that on if we don't stop it now. So there's a blame test, there's a bitterness test, let me give you one other test, the behavior test. Is there anybody in your life that just annoys you, just kind of turns you the other way, not because of what they do, but because it reminds you of someone else and what, maybe what they did to you? Maybe you're holding on to that from, someone, from years ago. And you just need to put that out there. And say, God, I am, I'm giving this to you today. I, I, I realize it's been in there. Maybe it's been keeping me from taking a breakthrough, from taking steps with you. And I just need to let it go. Don't let your past relationships destroy your present or your future ones. Because really, as you come to this last part here, there's two things that you can do with a hurt and a pain. You can uh, rehearse it or you can release it. Rehearse it or release it. So here's what we're going to do. And and in the course of this series, I'm I'm praying that we get to all take some breakthroughs. You you can have some time at your own seat with whatever and however God is dealing with you. It it does not matter to me. We're also going to open up the altar here Um, in the venue. You're also going to have some altar time as well. Pastor RJ will be talking to you a little bit more about that. But here in the sanctuary, we'll have just just the steps that will be available. And if you, during the worship song here, just want to come and and just pray on your own, feel free to do that. Sometimes just that public demonstration or just walking out there just does something in your heart. You can pray on your own. We'll also have some prayer partners down here. And if you'd like to pray with someone, uh, just make eye contact with them. Pastor Derek will be down here and a few others will be here as well. I'll be right here in the front too. If you'd like to pray with any of us, we'd be honored to get to do that. I know that in the venue, the same sort of thing happens over there. But if you'd like to come on your own, please feel free to do that as well. You might just want to even come down. And maybe this is your time to just thank the Lord for His forgiveness of you. I know in the 8 o'clock service, we had some times to pray with people. There were tears that people had uh, of of just years of things bent up. But others was just saying, God, thank you for the place that you brought me to. Whatever the Lord lays upon your heart, now's the time just to make a breakthrough in some way, somehow, of what God wants to do in your heart as we sing, as we worship, let's just allow the Spirit to lead and direct. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word, the way it teaches our lives, the way it makes us to be the people that we're not. And that is being more like your son, Jesus. God, every day we need your wisdom, we need your counsel. We need your reminders and so i thank you for your spirit speaking to us even now And lord as we uh worship you here in the sanctuary and worship you in the venue um, lord it does not matter where we're hearing these voice uh or hearing my voice and the teaching that your spirit has given to us um lord we just want to do business with you so that if that be in our chairs so be it if that be at the front of the altar so be it lord i pray though that whatever is laid upon our hearts We would take that step to see a breakthrough in our lives. And Lord, that stone can be rolled away. We can look up and see what you're wanting to do in our lives. Lord, may we never squelch what the Spirit wants to do. May we never hold back what you want to do in and through us. So hear us now as we worship, as we pray, as we're sensitive to your Spirit working in our lives. We love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.